Okay, welcome to High Cheese with Darren Maloney. Today is Friday, May 27th, 2022. And I want to go right to Texas. The horrific story coming from Uvalde, Texas. And there is blame. Now, the blame has not been thoroughly baked yet. But let's start what we know. And the first people I blame, and again, people have to be held responsible before we can fix our problem. Now, I blame school administrations, and I blame teachers unions that have been blocking, increasing the security of buildings where children are taught. Now, I, I, I know it's a gray area right now because we don't know. We're getting such a terrible mixed message from Texas, from the bureaucrats in Texas. At first, they said there was a resource officer there. Then there wasn't. And I'll get into this later. But right now, there was no resource officer in, in the school. So essentially, the, ki- uh, the, the crazy person walked in through an, op- an unlocked door And shot these poor kids and several teachers. But again, the blame starts with the school systems and the teachers unions. Because they have been blocked increasing the security of buildings where children are taught. And equally as important, what have they done to raise the awareness of the mental state of the kids that have been in their homes for the past two years, isolated, not able to socialize, and then scared by the mass media, scaring the heck out of these poor kids regarding a virus that 99.95% of them would survive. So you've got this constant barrage of fear from the mass media, and then you've got them locked down in their homes for over two years, not being able to socialize. And these are children. You don't think the result is going to be some type of mental illness resulting? Where's the programs in these school systems about mental health? Oh, other than maybe some type of sentence on the website saying, oh, we we support mental health for our kids. They should have been aware. You've got a ticking time bomb with these kids and you did nothing about it. Which is troubling because are you really thinking about the kids when you're blocking their safety and you do nothing to promote mental health with the children that have been locked down? Wrong use of word, but you're playing with fire here. Because these school systems are just, are controlled by the unions that want nothing to do with guns, that want nothing to do with protecting the kids. And they'll allow the kids to suffer instead of going along with some type of protective program in these schools. And then you've got these woke administrators and woke school boards that have been just going along with it. Now, let me just go to a study. And this is a study that was put out by the the Washington Post of all places. And let me just read the headline here. It says, records show 70% of school shootings since 1999 have been carried out by people under 8. So seven intense school shootings in the U.S. were carried out by children under 18. 
the Washington Post reported. Since 1999, the median age of school shooters on K-12 campuses is 16 years old. So, instead of dealing with real emotional mental problems, you're pushing wokeness on these kids. You're having them question their sexuality. You're promoting transgenderism and pedophilia and grooming to young kids. And I think most of the, the shooters have been male. So you're promoting wokeness. You're promoting transgenderism to your students at the expense of male teenagers. Could that be by design? Just saying. Additionally, the parents have a responsibility here. You're responsible for your kids. You should know if your kid's buying an AK-47. You should know if your kid's buying a semi-automatic weapon. You should know what your kids are saying online. You have a responsibility here. But here's part of the problem in America right now. You've got parents abdicating their responsibility for their kids. And look, I've seen it a long time ago. You know, again, I keep on saying I grew up in Teaneck, but I, I was in a unique situation. I was able to befriend both poor kids and wealthy kids. And I think the term at the time were latchkey kids. And the one thing I came to realize over the years is that both the extremely poor kids that were friends of mine, their parents were rarely around. And at the same time, the wealthy kids, their parents weren't around either. They were called latchkey kids. So the parents were out working or living their life, and they were just letting their kids do what they wanted. The same thing happened with the uh, the poor kids, too. I was lucky I had both my parents there. But that's where it started. You know, it started 40, you know, 50 years ago. And now we're at the point where we've got this whole debate about whether parents should even be responsible for their kids or or should it be the school system or should it be the government like we've seen in the Soviet Union and I think in many cases some people just say yeah you take my kid I'll do the perfunctory stuff I'll feed him I'll make sure he catches the bus then he's all yours well that's not enough because school systems are godless today they've taken God out of the schools They've taken the Pledge of Allegiance out of schools. So what do these kids have? They have nothing. They go to school and they learn nothing. Nothing from a moral perspective. Even in Catholic schools today, their ability to teach things has been undercut because uh, a lot of them get government funding for programs. And God forbid they wanted to talk about real Christianity. But we have a moral dilemma in this country. And evilness has taken over this country. And it's rearing its head in in these poor kids that are shooting up these schools. But again, we have to, we have to acknowledge the problems. Us, not them. You'll never get the real answer from them because right now it's all about protecting bureaucracy. It's all about protecting elected officials. Now, I'm not saying all of them. I saw the governor of Texas, and, and I don't care how you feel about the uh, governor of Texas right now. He, he made a good speech. He said what 
we all wanted to hear. Well, we're finally getting clearer answers from law enforcement. I mean, right off the bat, something was wrong. The communications that the, uh, the law enforcement had with the public uh, just didn't work. What they were saying and with what we were seeing in videos just didn't jive. So they recently came out and said that there was a mistake. And the mistake was that the incident commander, the police chief, thought that it was a hostage situation rather than an active shooter situation, which is a, a big mistake. So apparently they're going to offer up the, uh, the police chief in this. He's the one they're going to blame for this. Now, they also mentioned that there was a resource officer that came there, but he wasn't at the school. So you don't have a resource officer if he's not stationed at the school. So it appears maybe they had one in name only and he drove around. Well, it wasn't enough. You need more than that. So we'll see. I Look, I'm reading an article here from the New York Post and trying to explain what happened. And still, there's some gaps. Like, for example, the border agents at some point came in and got involved. And I think they're the ones that actually killed the kid. So I want to know, at what point did, the, and when was that decision made? For the border agents to go in, or did they just go in? So I want to know that, and I think the public wants to know that. You know, additionally, I, I, I do want to know why were they, you know, I heard a report that they tased a parent. That shouldn't happen. And we need to know the answers. Because in order to learn, we need to know the truth. And hopefully that comes from law enforcement down there in Texas, which is a wonderful state. I love Texas. So we shall see. I, I, you know, if there's anybody out there from Irish descent, you, you may understand what I'm talking about, and it's going to lead me into Steve Carr. In old-time Irish funerals, you used to hire women. They were called whalers. And they were hired specifically to cry at wakes and at funerals. And I think Steve Carr is the Democrats' version of a whaler. Nothing like this goes by without him having a comment. Now, Kerr's the head coach of the Golden State Warriors. And you really, I have a hard time taking this guy seriously. And what I want to do is let's go to the clip and then we'll come back and discuss. In Southern California, now we have children murdered at school. When are we going to do something? And then Kerr proceeds to attack Republicans for not passing legislation to take uh, your rights away as a gun holder. And I would take him a little more seriously if uh, he would say something about the NBA's relationship with China and China's relationship with the Uyghurs and China's use of slave labor. Let's hear the passion from Steve Kerr about that. But he's not going to say anything because NBA pays his salary. So I don't respect these guys that pick and choose what they're going to cry about. If you're going to put yourself on a pedestal and start pointing fingers and, and uh, being high and mighty and being virtuous. Well, you can't be virtuous in one realm 
and then allow the NBA to continue its relationship with China. It's really quite hypocritical. Now, related to this, too, is that nobody spoke about this. Where were you speaking about this, uh, Mr. Kerr, when I guess it was about two weeks ago, China decided they were going to start showing NBA games in China again. I guess about a year or two ago, uh, China pulled NBA games from its TV. And China did this because the general manager of the Houston Rockets had tweeted support for the people of Hong Kong against China. So I think that the general manager was uh, quietly removed several months later. But that's here nor there. I don't remember Steve Carr saying anything during all this. Silence. Because the NBA gives you your paycheck. And what I want to do is I just want to play a clip from Royce White. Royce White is a former NBA player. And Royce has been outspoken about uh, the NBA's relationship with China and the uh, particularly uh, slave labor and uh, the concentration camps and the Uyghur concentration camps in China. And I'm just going to play a clip. And I think Mr. Royce is running for Congress in Minnesota. So anybody from Minnesota that's listening, you, wanna make, you may want to take a look at him. So let me just uh, play a clip from him and then uh, we'll come back. They want to they want a tacit surrender. They want a cultural surrender, a, a preemptive social surrender. And that's the that that's what people like myself and, and the rest of the uh, emerging populist movement won't stand for in this country is, you know, do I see the problems with with firearms? Of course, I'm a mental health advocate. I know we're all we're all uh, a day or two or situation away from being psychologically unstable. But I don't have any uh, I have no um false notions about the psychological stability of the state and the people that sit in positions of power there either and, and the danger of that um and and the the second amendment is the only thing keeping this country from becoming china and royce gets it royce gets the intent of the second amendment and why it has to be protected not steve kerr steve kerr is all about politicizing this tragedy in texas and he wants to use that, as well as the Democrats, to take your guns away, essentially. Chip away at it. Chip away at your rights. But like Roy said in his last sentence, the only thing that is keeping us from becoming China are our guns. And it's funny. And one of the arguments these anti-gun people always make is that, well, you know, when they made the Second Amendment, all they had were muskets. And, uh, you know, we have different weaponry today. And I'm just reading a, a, a cartoon here from one of these political cartoonists. And it says here, and it says here, the Second Amendment, the first box. There's two boxes. First box says the Second Amendment, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And then the next box of the cartoon, this is the arms, and it shows a musket and a sword. But here's the interesting thing that they never point out. The arms that they're showing in this cartoon, the musket and the sword, these were the weapons of war at the time. We're not asking people today to arm themselves with weapons of war. You have to understand is that the, the left loves, they, they, they love to equate semi-automatic weapons with military weapons, and it's just not true. So you think about it. When the Second Amendment was adopted, 
the weapons of war were muskets. And the people were allowed to keep weapons of war. That's not the case today. Just remember that when somebody tells you that. When somebody tells you, well, they had muskets back then. Well, the muskets back then were the weapons of war. Semi-automatic weapons are not weapons of war. So I would make a case that the those that had muskets when the Second Amendment was adopted were, relatively speaking, better off than we, were to, we are today because they were able to hold on to and to own weapons that the military had, thus protecting themselves from an impressive government. The weapons we are allowed to hold today are lesser than what the military has. So my case would be relative to what the the military used. We're in worse shape than when the Second Amendment was adopted. But I'm not worried. We can make do with what we have. Just don't take what we have away. Then a problem will be created. Okay, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to show you a clip of Donald Trump's address to the NRA this this evening. And uh, I thought it was good. What I did is I put together some... uh, small highlights from his speech. So let me go to the clip and then uh, we'll discuss afterwards. It's about two and a half minutes, but I think you'll like it. As we mourn for so many beautiful victims, I know that everyone here joins me in praying for the families who are suddenly missing the brightest light in their lives. We see their agony. We ask God to ease their suffering and to heal their pain. And together we grieve side by side as one great American family had even sat on the horrible day of tragedy. We witnessed a now familiar parade of cynical politicians seeking to exploit the tears of sobbing families to increase their own power and take away our constitutional rights to advance their own extreme political agenda. Even more repulsive is their rush to shift blame away from the villains who commit acts of mass violence and to place that blame onto the shoulders of millions of peaceful, law-abiding citizens. As always in the wake of these tragedies, the various gun control policies being pushed by the left would have done nothing to prevent the horror that took place, absolutely nothing. Unfortunately, ever since Columbine, we've been afflicted by a contagion of school shootings carried out by deeply evil, violent, and mentally disturbed young men. While we don't yet know enough about this week's killing, we know there are many things we must do. We need to drastically change our approach to mental health. There are always so many warning signs, almost all of these Disfigured minds share the same profile. When people see something, whether on social media or in school, they need to say something. Discipline systems, instead of making excuses and continually turning a blind eye, need to confront bad behavior head-on and quickly. We have also, very importantly, got to deal with the problem of broken families, There is no substitute for a strong mom and a great dad. All of us must unite, Republican and Democrat, in every state and at every level of government, 
to finally harden our schools and protect our children. Ever be able to get anywhere near a classroom until they have been checked, scanned, screened, and fully approved. Well, that was a good speech, and I hope you liked the clips that I set up for you. Okay, let's switch to the markets. Uh, the markets had a good week, and let me just read an article from CNBC. And it says here that all three of the major averages closed the week higher. The Dow finished up 6.2% for the week and snapped its longest losing streak eight weeks since 1923. The S&P 500 added 6.5% for the week, and the NASDAQ was up 6.8% for the week. And a lot of this was driven by economic data that, at best, wasn't a disaster, which doesn't say much for the markets. But that's where we are today. And I think the, th- uh, the key things that drove the market this week was um, a couple of things. They had the advanced trading goods. And if you remember, last month set a record. And what the uh, advanced trading goods is, is essentially your uh, trade deficit. Last month set a record at 120 Five billion. So this month, which went, it's reported in May, but it covers April. So April's uh, trade deficit was one hundred and six billion dollars. It was a lot less. I think it was sixteen percent than in March, but it's still high. And I think the market took that as being favorable. One hundred and six is still high, but it's still off the record. So that, along with core PCE that came in this week, and uh, there were some expected numbers. Uh, I think the one thing that helped the markets more than anything else was nominal consumer spending, where they had expected a 0.7% increase and a 0.9% increase. Because they know, and we know, that you know the, do, the two drivers for GDP, I think, in the broad sense, is consumer spending and our trade deficit. And our trade deficit is still high. And the only thing that's going to save the quarter, the second quarter GDP, I think, is going to be spending. So that's where we are now. And let's just take a look at housing. I've been saying all along, if you're looking to buy a house, wait. Time is on your side. And a couple of items came in this week. And one was new home sales. And new home sales came in at 591000 versus 750,000 estimate and pending home sales came in at minus 3.9% versus a minus 2% that was estimated. So it came in worse. Now, there was also a report out that said that, and I don't know who to attribute it to, but inventory is starting to increase rapidly. And that's good because of supply and demand. The more supply you have, means that uh, prices will go down. And I think, again, that wait, time is on your side. And uh, with that said, thank you so much for listening. And I shall talk to you on Tuesday. Have a good weekend.